0: We're going to continue in our series in James tonight, and excited about that, so you can turn to James chapter 1, we'll be finishing out the chapter tonight. Uh, When I was in Bible college, uh, studying for pastoral ministry, the first two years that I was in pastoral ministry, I had to take required courses, classes to get my Bachelor's of Science degree, and I remember I had to take classes like psychology and English literature, Um, and uh, I had to take... Um, even like a, it wasn't really like a technology class, but it was more like a computer kind of technology class that just were requirements, general education requirements to get my Bachelor's of Science degree. And I remember taking those classes, in particular English literature, and reading some of the different English literature that we had to read and some of the plays that like, were going on and uh, having to do that in class and thinking like, why am I here? And not wanting really to take all of that in. Same thing with some of the psychology classes I took that were kind of boring to me and Things that we were taking that I just couldn't i couldn't get past. It was kind of like one of those things that you'd show up and you'd almost just want to tune it out and not pay attention because you felt like, why am I ever going to need this? When am I ever going to use this? When I was in high school, classes like that as well, um, you're sitting through classes and you're like, when am I ever going to need this? When am I ever going to use this? But then there was a point in time when I got into my final two years in particular as a junior and senior where I had the option to select electives that were very specific to the degree that I was seeking to complete. And so I got into classes like homiletics and hermeneutics that had to do with interpretation of scripture and uh, preparing for preaching, expository preaching, biblical counseling, uh, theology classes and understanding the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. And those really intrigued me. I was really engaged with that because they were so practical for what I wanted to do with my life. Like they were so practical for what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of times when we come to a Bible study, when we come to a book of the Bible or we hear sermons or we hear things taught, we can tend to approach it the same way That I approach those English literature classes or those psychology classes, or where we sit down and we think, when am I ever gonna need this? Why is this relevant? When is it ever gonna mean anything for my life? Um, and I understand that that thinking sometimes when we approach different books of the Bible and, and even when we hear different sermons. I, I understand how sometimes we can come to that point, even though I don't agree that we ever should. But that is certainly not the case with the book of James. Okay, As we're looking at the book of James, James is considered to be the wisdom uh, book of the New Testament scriptures. It's like the Proverbs of the New Testament scriptures. Because James is going to give uh, 50 exhortations, some have counted. In James, to the body of Christ, to the believer in Jesus. Uh, James is going to hit on many important practical issues that have direct dealings with our everyday living, our everyday lives. Uh, James is going to give instruction to the believer in Christ. He's going to give instruction to those he describes in chapter 1, in verse 1, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. In other words, those Jews that were scattered abroad because of persecution, because of um, you know, the, their living situations, and because of all that was happening in the early church, they were scattered abroad, and he's going to be calling on them to be obedient in their walk with Christ. Uh, James, the the writer of this book, is the half-brother of Jesus. We talked about that in week one and week two. It's dated in the year of 45 to 50 A.D., and so it's considered to be the oldest New Testament book that we have, uh, predating even Paul's letters, Paul's epistles. And so this was a foundational book of instruction for the church in the very early stages of the church. And James is just so practical In what he says. If you've been here for the first two weeks, week one, we talked about enduring trials. We asked the question that week Has anybody ever had to face a trial before? And everybody's hands should have gone up with that, right? We've all faced trials. And and James talks about how we can walk through that and endure that in a way that is honoring to God and that establishes us and matures us as followers of Christ. Last week, if you were here, we talked about temptation. And I asked the question last week, how many of us have ever been tempted before? (laughs) And again, all of our hands should have been up for that because we've all faced temptations of different kinds. And and James gave very practical instruction of how we should be viewing and regarding temptation and how we should be living for the Lord. And I believe something so practical, again, is going to be seen as we close out chapter 1 tonight. And so let's look at James chapter 1. We'll begin with verse 19. Verse 19. And we're going to continue right through to the end of this first chapter. So follow along with me here, James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, Uh, again, some very practical instruction that James is going to give tonight. And I believe some very clear instruction that James is going to give tonight. And so uh, as we look at this passage tonight and as we examine what all James is calling on uh, these believers to do, really I want to point out um, really three commands that are here in this passage. Okay, three We're going to expand on them a bit tonight, but they're very simple. The first one is, he says, let every person hear. Let every person hear. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. His first matter of instruction here is that every person will be quick to hear. Now, in the context of this passage... James is surrounding this passage with an understanding of our responsiveness to the Word of God. Uh, what's going to follow in this passage when he talks about hearing, and he talks about listening, and he talks about doing, and he talks about receiving? All of it is in the context of the Word of God and the instruction of the Word of God. And, and some uh, commentators and some pastors even believe that this initial statement where James says, let every person be slow to speak... And quick to hear, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. He's even talking a little bit here about the one that wants to be a teacher and isn't ready to be a teacher of the word yet. He needs to keep his mouth shut and he needs to listen and hear first what God's instruction is. And that's consistent with other passages of scripture that says not many of you should be teachers because you'll be judged more harshly. But in an overarching practical sense of everyday living, it also is a very wise thing to take what James says to heart here, isn't it? Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Have you ever met someone who is quick to speak and slow to listen? Uh, have you ever had that? I mean, we know that what that's like uh, as parents, if you have kids... We know that's what, what that's like if you all, you know, you're engaged in a situation where you have authority or you have, um, you know, a position over people that they're receiving instruction, but they always have an answer or an excuse for why they didn't do what was needed to be done. Um, we know what that's like with people probably in our families. Uh, we know what that's like with different friendships. I can tell you, I'm guilty of this a lot of times when it comes to my conversation with my wife. And she knows this, where we'll be talking about something and we might be disagreeing about it. And as she's telling, me what she's thinking, I'm already ready to pounce with what I'm going to respond with. And she knows that's true, because the whole time she's talking, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. I talked to another a guy in our connect group, and he was saying that sometimes when, when his wife's giving him a response, <coughs> he'll even do this to her. Let's go. Like, get it done so I can talk. Like, he's ready to just give his response. And I'm like, don't ever do that, right? And so I joke with my wife sometimes when she's talking, I'll be like, let's go, let's go. And she's like, you better not do that. But we have this tendency sometimes to can't, we just can't wait to get out our words. We can't wait to tell someone how they're wrong. We can't wait to tell our side of the story, we can't wait to be able to tell people like, yeah, that's great what you think, but here's what it really is. And I know I'm guilty of that. And, and James is calling on the believer here, and in particular in the context of our hearing and of receiving and doing and in regards to the word of God, that every single person should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So this, this challenge to hear is so important. And because what it does is it tells us in our responsiveness to God's word, into God's instruction, that we recognize we don't know everything. We don't have all the answers. Have you ever met someone who thinks they know all the answers? They have an answer for everything. We all know people like that. Maybe that's us at times. That we just think we know it all. I don't know if any of you watched um, the presidential debate last night. There was a debate on last night. And there were different points in time during the debate where there was almost chaos erupting and you couldn't really hear what anybody was saying. And and I remember thinking in my mind as I was watching it, like some people might have some things that are important to hear or should be heard or need to be said, but no one can hear anything because everybody's intent on getting their point out there. And and it becomes chaotic. And, And James is making something that is so practical, this instruction to the believer in Christ to say, let every person be quick to hear, It should be a response on our part to want to hear. And again, this is in responsiveness to the Word of God and what the Word of God brings to us. And, and so this is so important for us. This is so important for us because how we respond to God's Word and the instruction from God really shows, doesn't it, where our heart truly is in regards to our belief about the Word of God. It really shows that. Um, just last month, we, we took my daughter, Ella, who is 16. We took her on a short trip, just her and my wife and I, uh, for her 16th birthday. We let her uh, pick what she wanted to do. and So we did something just for a couple days. And uh, So we were getting on the plane. And it was the first time Ella was on a plane to go anywhere. She had never been on a plane before that. She's done missions trips and things like that, but never where she was actually on a plane flying there. And we've never taken a trip as a whole family on the plane. And so first time on there. And I don't know how many times I've flown um, with different things. And and this was just a quick flight. It was a very quick flight down to Florida. And so it's going to be a really short flight. So we're sitting there. And as the flight attendants are going through the routine of safety procedures... I'm, like, setting up my iPad, and I'm doing different things, and, you know, my wife and I are kind of talking a little bit, like, just kind of about some things that are going on, and I look over to Ella, and Ella is zoned in on what the flight attendant is saying about safety measures, because she has never flown before, and so this is brand new for her, and so she is just taking it in, because in her mind, she's thinking, if I don't want to die on this plane, I need to hear everything they're saying. Right? She is convinced that what they're about to give by way of instruction is, is absolutely necessary for her to hear. And if she doesn't hear it, there's going to be problems. And so she was zoned in. And I remember the first time that I flew and, and the first time that I went on a roller coaster and the first time that I, there was this instruction that was given about what you're supposed to do and I'm like zoned in because I'm like, I don't want to die right now. I'm going to listen to this. We believed that the instruction was necessary and profitable and, and essential for us. And yet, guys, we get to a point, don't we, with God's word that we've heard it so many times and we've heard it taught so many times and we know what it says and we think we know better sometimes that we're like, yeah, I'll just kind of tune that out. I just will to really listen to that. Have you ever found yourself in church when the pastor's like, all right, today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. And you're like, Philippians 2, I've heard this so many times. Like, in, And and the attitude sometimes we have is like, we get it. We know what it says someone says, hey, what's your favorite verse? And like, John 3.16. And you're like, of course it's John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. And then we just kind of tune it out. We don't listen to it. We're not, we're not hearing. James says that what's true for every believer is that we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Every person in this room should be a student of the Word of God. Every one of us should be a student Of the word of God. And he says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And again, most believe that I've read about this, that they believe that's even in the context of their understanding and hearing of the instruction of God's word and how they respond to the instruction of God's word, which is really interesting um, because we can sometimes tend to think that we either know better or don't need what God's word says. And our response to it sometimes reflects that. And so very practically, very simply, he begins here by saying, let every person, first of all, be quick to hear. And he says in verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, this is the second point of action here, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The second kind of challenge here is to receive. It's one thing to hear, but it is something else to Receive. What's interesting is there seems to be a preparation that James talks about in the passage before that receiving even takes place. He says we need to be quick to hear this, but then he says, you know, that we're to lay aside these other things. He says, lay aside or put away filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Uh, It's interesting because he uses a couple words here. First of all, the word receive means to receive favorably, to give an ear to, to embrace, to make one's own, to approve, to not reject it. And so there's this attitude of reception with willingness of what it is we're hearing. It's, it's a receiving, it's bringing into it. Have you ever watched a, a football game and a wide receiver is going out and there's a pass thrown to them, and as the ball's going in the air and they see that ball, you've, you've probably seen before where a receiver makes no effort to catch that ball. Uh, and it's frustrating if it's your team, right, is that it looks like the defender is putting up more effort than the receiver to catch that ball, to receive it. Why is it called a receiver? Receiving, because something is offered, it's thrown out there, and it is their job to take it and receive it, to bring it in, to make it theirs, to catch that ball. We've also seen plays where a receiver goes above and beyond, Uh, This past week there was a receiver that caught a pass and he literally jumped up in the air with one hand, snatched it out of the air, and brought it down and made it his own. Um, and and there was some great passion there. It's one of the things like with college football that's real exciting is these guys are like there's passion there that they put everything out because they wanna they want to make it. And and so we know the difference between those two things. In, In each scenario, though, something is being offered. Ball is being thrown. It's seen, it's there, it's available, but in one sense, there's those that don't really care if they actually get it, and the other one is, I'm taking and receiving this no matter what it costs. James says in this passage, be quick to hear, but he goes a step further than that, and he says that we are ones that are supposed to receive with meekness the implanted word. This reception with meekness holds with it a sense of humility. It's a sense of humility. You know what it says? It says, God, you know better than I do, and so I need to hear and receive what you're saying. That's what it says. I've had to have conversations with my kids. You know, and the older they get, the more mature they'll get. But there's a point in time in, in kids' lives, and it was true in my life, where I think I know better than my parents know. And kids think they know better than their parents do. And students think they know better than their teachers do. And employees think they know better how to make money for their company than their boss does, right? That, that's always the case. People always have this mentality, and it's called pride, where we think we know better than the person that is trying to give us instruction or the person that does actually know better than we do. But when he says receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls there's a sense of humility that comes with this we see it and receive it as something that we need and we cannot do without it's something that we recognize we need and we cannot do without guys as you think about god's word do you do i view it not as optional for us not as an option but as a necessity Is that which we need to receive, as that which must be a part of our lives because the one who is giving it to us is the one who knows all things and can do all things and provides all things. There's a sense of humility that we have to receive the word and in doing so, we're viewing the word properly. Receiving the word of God brings a sense of internalization of it. It brings it into an internalization It's not enough that it's simply out there and we hear it and we're like, that's great for you. It's actually of, wow, I need that and I'm receiving it and bringing it in. Um, If you ever drive through your neighborhood, you probably have seen people with Amazon boxes on their doorsteps. And uh, it's interesting to me, sometimes if I drive by a neighbor's house or wherever and they've had Amazon boxes and they've sat on their front doorstep for days and, and for, like, a long time. And it's not that they're not home because they are. It's just that they ever actually, like, take that package, like, off the doorstep. It's just sitting there. And I, and I think all the time when that happens, I'm like, did you really need that if it's just sitting out there? But can you imagine ordering something that you know you need and you know is a benefit for, and you track that package, and you know the package arrives on your doorstep, and it's delivered. And you get the notification, this has been delivered to your home, and normally there's a picture that is sent to you that shows it's been delivered on your doorstep. and you know it's there and you know you need it you know it's beneficial and you're like, you know what I think I'm just going to leave it out there ordered it, bought for it it's been delivered I've needed it, I've wanted it but I'm just going to leave it there you never actually receive that you never actually bring it you never actually utilize it it's the same thing with God's word it would be ridiculous to do that, right? The same thing is true with God's word James says be a quick hearer of the word of God receive God's word into your life make it yours bring it in internalize it allow it to be something that you receive because you know it's absolutely necessary and and this is where bible study is important This is where uh, understanding, you know, that we as a church want every believer to connect, grow, and serve. Growth is a part of that. And one of the ways that we grow is by receiving God's word into our lives. And so we, we hear it and we receive it. It's so valuable and so important. And James says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Guys, the word of God is powerful. The word of God is powerful and effective. The word of God is profitable. The word of God can do what no other word can do. And so we have to view God's word with the right viewpoint. And when we truly acknowledge and know what it is we are listening to, hearing, and receiving, that should transform us. And so James kind of lays this out. Be quick to hear. So hear. Be quick to receive it. Receive it. And then I believe he gives this third point, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time, uh, beginning in verse 22, and that's do. Be a doer of the word. Do it. Be a doer of it. We're to hear it, we're to receive it, and we are to do it. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This is a pretty important pointed passage, okay? Because... Here's what a lot of times Christians can be really good at. We can be really good sometimes at hearing. And we can even be really good sometimes at receiving it. But then everything ends and falls apart there. Right? Everything begins and ends there. You know what James says here? He says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of it here's what's very interesting to me is look at what he says. Be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. You know what James says here? James says that the one, the believer, who is only content to hear the word of God, that the believer who is only content in, in hearing the instruction that God offers and, and hearing and listening to the word of God and, and even knowing and probably comes with the knowledge of it is the understanding of it, of the word of God, but the one who is simply a hearer of it and doesn't put it into practice in their life, they don't do it, they don't follow and do what it says, that that person is deceiving himself. They're deceiving themselves. And here's the thing. We can think about deceiving others, right? But he says you're deceiving your own self. And as I thought about that, I thought, why would he say that? <laughs> why would he say you're deceiving yourself if you hear it, but you don't do it? And you know what I believe James is, is alluding to here, and I believe we're going to see this in just a moment with the illustration that Paul gives, is that there's a tendency sometimes for Christians to think, if I could just fill my head with the knowledge of God's word, I'm mature. And I'm good. And I'm honoring God. And I'm where God wants me to be. And James says that attitude and perspective is one in which we deceive ourselves with. Because if we're content stopping there, we're deceiving ourselves. It's very interesting. Look at the illustration that he gives. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer... He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. That word, looks intently, that phrase there, it holds with it a careful examination. We're not talking about um, kind of a surface glance, okay? We're not talking about that. We're not talking about someone that, you know, you're walking into the store and as you're walking in, you see your reflection on the door and you're kind of like, is my fly up? Like you're walking it that way. We're talking about a you're purposefully going to the mirror to look and examine what you see to make sure it is what it's supposed to be. It's a careful examination. And he said, The one, if anyone's not a hearer of the word or a hearer, but not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. He says that the one that is a believer in Christ, the one who is a follower of Jesus, and he he hears what the word of God says, and and he he listens to it, he he may even listen to it with great joy. He's a hearer of the word. And, And by the way, don't miss this. This is exactly what James already commanded them to do, right? It's not as though they're doing something they're not commanded to do. They are. We're commanded to be a hearer of the word. He says, be quick to hear. Be quick to listen. So they're doing what they're supposed to do to an extent, but they're stopping there. They're stopping there. And he says, you're deceiving yourself. Why? Because he said, the one that only hears the word and doesn't do what it says, it's as though you're holding up a mirror and you're looking at your face intently and you're examining what your face looks like. And and when you're examining it and seeing it, there should be action that follows it. Something should result from that. Otherwise, why are you even looking? Something should result from that. And he said, it's like the man who looks and he, and he turns away from the mirror and he completely forgets what he even just looked like. He completely forgets what he just examined. He completely forgets what even needs to happen now that he's, he's looked and he's observed. And, and the people in this day and age, when they hear this, and, and even in our society today, people think this is absolutely absurd. Why even look then? <laughs> right? Why even, look, isn't it it important for us to ask this question, guys? Why even go to Bible study if our plan is simply to hear and not to do? Why go? Like, I'm thrilled everybody's here tonight. I I want every man in this room to be here every week. But can I ask a question? If you and I are coming here Thursday after Thursday after Thursday to hear the Word of God, we hear it, we receive that instruction and we walk away from here and do nothing. Why come back next week? Why come back? And, and I think this is where James says, you're deceiving yourself. I'm deceiving myself. He says, we're deceiving ourselves. If we think that there's anything special or profitable about simply hearing and not practicing or doing, we're deceiving ourselves, he says here. It's like you're looking at your face in a glass, in a mirror, and you walk away, you completely forget what you just saw. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and your translation might say the law that gives freedom or brings freedom, and perseveres, follows through, presses through. It's a course of action that follows that examination. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Don't miss what he says. He will be blessed in what? His doing. You see, there's this kind of given, this thought that is kind of given is that when we hear, listen to, and receive the word of God, the response that is expected to it is one of action. It's one of action. That is what should follow when we receive and hear the word of God. Action let me, let me just put this as, a, as an illustration I remember my dog months ago we took our dog to the vet because she was having some some issues and we took her to the vet and when the vet put her on the scale and weighed her she'd gotten fat like she was bigger than she was and she weighed more and the doctor doctor was like the vet was like you know wow she put on some weight She's Like she must be eating really good and, and probably not much exercise so and i'm thinking like is he talking is this passive aggressive is he talking to me he's been eating a lot but not exercising and i'm like okay but he was talking about the dog and so the reality was the more the dog consumed without any output of exercise the bigger she got and it's, it's true of all of us right the same can be true of the word of god in our lives can't it We can have a lot of just huge, fat, obese Christians that are filled with knowledge, but there's absolutely zero working out of that knowledge into our daily living. And and I think an example would be, and and this is again, I'm not saying this to try to make you feel bad. I'm just thinking this is what James is communicating here. Um, How many of us love Bible study, but we hate service? Uh, How many of us love to receive and receive and receive and receive the word of God, which we should. But when it comes to actual action of doing and living it out, don't sign me up for that. How many of us are very content and even lie to ourselves to think that I have spiritual maturity or I'm walking in a right relationship with God simply because I'm filling my head with the word of God, which we should But James says if we're stopping there, we're deceiving ourselves. Knowledge is is good and necessary of the Word of God, but knowledge also puffs up, the Bible says. And so you should fill your heart and mind with the Word of God. I should fill my heart and mind with the Word of God, but we don't stop with knowledge. We bring it forth in action. James says that the one who does that, he will be blessed by the Lord in what he does. And so, guys, you know, I can actually ask the question, and and this is kind of something that we're going to be talking a little bit about when it comes to spiritual gifts on Sunday as we go through 1 Corinthians. is, Is there a consistency not only to our input of God's word into our lives, but also our exercising in our service of the word of God in our lives? We can give a lot of examples of this. In service to others. That if we know God has called us to be servants, to model Christ's likeness, how are we caring and serving others in gospel proclamation, if we can sit here and say, yeah, I believe the gospel is the power of God and the salvation for everybody who believes it, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it, I listen to it, I believe it, but there's no gospel proclamation happening from our lips. There's a problem there. If we can believe and understand what God's word says about the responsibility we have as a husband to our wife, as a dad to our children, as a worker to our, our boss or employer, as, as individuals who want to honor God and demonstrate Christ's likeness in the way that we live, but we're content simply to know about it but not actually engage in doing it, that's a problem. That's a problem. Not only in the church but outside the church. There's a progression that should happen here. He says, be quick to hear. Every person, everyone should be quick to hear. We need to hear, listen to, and receive the word of God. It's essential. Bible study is essential. It's essential to fill our head and heart with the word of God. But just as essential as hearing and receiving it is doing what it says. Is doing what it says. I think for far too long, the church can be very lazy in the actual proclamation and doing, but very, very passionate about the receiving. And we need to do both. We need to do both. Uh, Charles Spurgeon is quoted as saying about this passage, he said, I fear that we have many such in all congregations, admiring hearers, affectionate hearers, attached hearers, but all the while unblessed hearers, Because they are not doers of the word. Affectionate hearers, passionate hearers, attached hearers, but unblessed hearers, because they are not doers of the word of God. Are you, am I, a doer who acts? There's a rather popular show on TV. It's been popular for some time called Shark Tank on TV. And the, the basis of the show, if you've not heard about it, if you've never seen it, is there are these wealthy billionaires that are pretty well-known have have been major success financially in their lives uh, in starting companies and selling companies that they will make an investment in entrep- entrepreneurs, up-and-coming entrepreneurs, if they believe in the product that they're creating or that they're trying to sell or the business that they're trying to sell. And what they do is the people who are trying to, get the, or trying to get the billionaires to invest in them, they give a sales pitch. And they talk about what they're offering and why they're offering it and how it will be the greatest thing known to mankind and how everybody's going to need this in the world. And everybody always talks about is this is going to change the way the world does, blah, whatever. And everybody has this pitch. And there's a point in time in the show where all of the billionaire investors either choose to give an offer to invest in that company or they say, I'm out. They're not interested in it. And so that's typically what happens. Is It typically happens that they give their spiel and if the investors believe in the product or the business, they will make an offer to buy a percentage of that company. And what comes with their investment is not only the investment of their money, but the investment of their time, of their resources, of their contacts, and of their strategy and know-how. And they want to see this succeed. And so there's many times that the investors will say, yeah, this isn't a product that I will use. It's not a product that I'm interested in, and it's certainly not a project that I could get up in the morning with any kind of passion to endorse, and so I'm out. But there's the rare opportunity that sometimes I've heard this on this show where the investor will say to the one who is asking for the investment, I love the product. I, I see what you're doing. I think it's great. I could maybe have three or four of these in my home and occasionally bring them out. I will be a customer, but I will not be a partner. And I'm out. And essentially what they're saying is, yeah, I see it has some benefit. I think it's a great idea. I think it's something that, you know what, occasionally I might even want to use. But I'm certainly not going to invest in it because I don't believe in it that much and I'm not going to get up in the morning and actually put any effort into it, so I'm out. And guys, here's where I think we fall in line with this as believers in Christ. Many of us are really guilty of viewing God's word as something we think is good, maybe even a little bit valuable, maybe something from time to time we would enjoy even pulling out and using. But we're not willing to make that kind of investment in it. We're not willing day in and day out To put our blood, sweat, and tears, if you will, into investing and doing what the word of God says. And so many of us are just like, I'll listen to it, I'll hear it, but I'm out when it comes to doing it. It's not for me. And James says if that's our attitude and that's our perspective, and if that's really truly what we're doing in our lives, we're deceiving ourselves. And the word of God says that that's not something God will bless. And so I really want us to think hard. I want us to really examine our lives tonight and ask the question, are we a doer of the word of God? Are we a doer of the word of God or are we content simply to be a forgetful hearer of the word? James wraps up this section in verses 26 and 27. He says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit Orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He gives a couple very practical examples of being a doer of the word and demonstrating in action that what we hear and observe and see and receive from the word of God should affect our daily living. He talks about the one who says he's religious, and this gives a, a sense with it of outward appearance of religion of outward practice for what people observe and see. And he says, if someone says he's religious and says that he honors God and and he's demonstrating that he's religious and honoring God, but he doesn't bridle his tongue, he's deceiving his heart and that person's religion is worthless. Again, this is calling for a point of action. I mean, James doesn't beat around the bush here. He says that person's religion is worthless. If, if it's not followed by action, if it's not followed by doing what God says, not only listening and observing what God says, but actually doing what God says, that person's religion is worthless. What, what does it profit? How is it profitable? If the only reason we hear and listen to the word of of God is is simply for how it makes us feel and not to bring us to a point of action for the glory of God, what what does it profit? And James is saying you need to be a doer of the word here. And he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Again, this is a point of action. This exalts service in doing things for orphans and widows here, those that would have no opportunity in return to offer anything to the one that is giving service to them. He says that's pure and undefiled religion. That's pure and undefiled That when we, out of obedience to what God says, not for our own gain or any reciprocating offer coming back to us, but out of obedience to what God says, we are servants honoring him and proclaiming him. That is religion that is pure and undefiled before God. God wants us to come to a point of action. Every one of us needs to be a hearer of the word. Every one of us needs to receive God's word into our minds and hearts, and every one of us are to be doers of the word of God. Gospel proclamation, service to the Lord and not unto men, making him known. Guys, where, where are we at on that? It's a hard thing sometimes, but it's absolutely necessary. It should stir us, it should change us. That's what James is hammering on here to the believers that are scattered abroad, and remember... All of these things he's giving them instruction about are in the context of believers who are persecuted and scattered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what he's calling them to. Man, how much more should we be called to this? To action and doing what God says. Not being content to simply hear it. Let me just give you some questions at your tables to discuss. This goes all the way back to the beginning of the passage that we looked at uh, as we started the night. What's easier for you, speaking or listening? Why? Why is it easier to speak sometimes than to listen? Or maybe it's easier to listen than to speak. Why? Revisit verse 21. What do you need to put away so that you might be prepared to receive the word? That's what he says in verse 21. He says, put these things aside and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What is it maybe that we need to put away so we can prepare our hearts and minds to receive God's word? Uh, Number three there, would you consider yourself a doer of the word? This is, the, this is really where the proof's in the pudding, right? This is, the proof is in action. If, if we would say tonight, yes, I'm a doer of the word of God, I would ask, how so? What does that look like? How are you and I living out what we know God's word says? And number four, what does it look like to be doer of the word? And what oftentimes hinders us from doing that? So I'm going to give you guys some time at your tables. Go ahead and discuss those things. Honesty is the best policy here. So that we can be honest, encourage one another, build one another up. It's okay to admit when we fail. It's okay to ask for accountability so that we can move forward. And let's do that as we sharpen one another tonight. So spend some time, guys. All right, guys. um, Hopefully you had some good discussion at your tables there. And we say this every week. Once we dismiss and pray, if you want to keep that going a little bit, there's time you can do that to pray for each other and, and finish out those discussions. You don't have to rush out. Um, but I, I was thinking about all these things that we've talked about tonight and being a doer of the word and not a forgetful hearer and and uh, really I think what it, what it boils down to is who is it on a daily basis we are more concerned with serving, right? Are we more concerned with serving ourselves or serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we concerned more with what we want or what God wants and what God commands and what God desires? and And maybe in the body of Christ, um, as it relates to the outpouring of the body of Christ, the number one area um, that I think the believer oftentimes can be disobedient in or refuse to be a doer of the word in is in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ with a world that is lost. And um, I think a lot of times as believers, we may be quick to be able to share of, uh, of, of service that we've done or actions that we've taken or how we're doing things as far as in service. Um, And we might be a little bit more sheepish when it comes to the question of who are we sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with. And really, that's why we're here, right? We're here to glorify God. We're here to make Christ known. And we're here to live that out. And so I think sometimes we can be very content with that knowledge and stop there as opposed to actually putting that into practice and action. And uh, someone sent me this tonight, Paul Harvey said this, too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium. And uh, we we can be very guilty, can't we, of being very content with what all God has blessed us with, with the knowledge that we have, and with the comfort level that we are in. And what God really wants is for us, to be a doer of all of the instruction that we've received. And so I hope you're stirred to action tonight. I, I hope all of us are. Uh, I hope that we will be quick not to forget what we observe when we look at the perfect law that brings freedom. Uh, but instead, we will put it into practice in our lives. That's what James is really stressing it as he, he closes out this chapter, which again there weren't chapter divisions, but he closed out this section before he jumps into the next section, is that they would be doers of the word, that they would demonstrate in action uh, truly what they believe. And so I hope that that challenges us tonight. Let me pray for us, and then um, we can be dismissed. Lord, thanks again for your word and the time we have together. I pray, Lord, even as James instructed, that we would hear your word. We need to do that. That we would receive your word into our hearts, our minds, our lives. We need to do that. But then, Lord, we would go the next step and actually put it into practice in our lives. That we would be a doer of the word of God. That we would allow it to impact our actions, our daily living. God, I pray that you would help us to be quick to speak about the Savior, Jesus Christ. That we would glorify you in our words, in our actions, in our deeds, in our thoughts. And, God, that you would give us the boldness and the perseverance and the strength Uh, Lord, to do that. Even in the midst of trials, even in the face of temptations, that we would be practicers of the Word of God, that we would put it into practice. So help us to do that as we go from here, in Christ's name. Amen.